mornings a week, we meet before breakfast for an early morning run. We spend most of our time planning and reflecting on what's happening in our classrooms. This has become our favorite professional development. So we figured, why not share these moments with you? Welcome to Math Before Breakfast. This is episode 78. I'm Tracy Prophet. I'm Ruth Urquiaga. And I'm Jay Prophet. How are you doing this morning, Ruth? I am good. We got to run again yesterday. I know, finally. And we are podcasting today. Yep. It is. Uh, everything who, is good. Yeah. Who knows when you will get this episode, but it is the day after the election and we know not much right now. <laughs> um, Jay's, Jay stayed up way longer than either one of us. Yeah. Um, but we do, we just, we are, you know, prepared or as prepared as we can be for school this morning. We both have school. Um, I got to meet with some teachers and our principal and our school psychologist yesterday um, to just over Zoom. And we talked about how important it is to have a plan. And I feel like um, we, you know, found some good things shared from Twitter that I shared with the teachers. And we're going into it knowing that it's not okay to be silent about what's happening. This is such an important moment for our students and our country. Um, so, I don't know. I'm, I'm feeling pretty anxious about school this morning, but we're going to make it. But even with everything that goes on in the world, what's going on in your classroom is still pertinent in the lives of these children. And sometimes when you can be that safe place for them and keep things in a routine and keep things, I don't know. It just feels like this particular year, everything is so up in the air and there's not a whole lot of things that are routine. So Students sometimes look to us as adults for, can we just have something that is the same? Yep. Um, so. Well, today, um, we don't want to talk more about the election, hopefully. <laughs> we want to instead talk <laughs> about um, what to do when you have students in your class that already know the content that you're tackling currently. Um, we both have been have that situation in the last couple of weeks. We've spent a lot of our time talking, running, or when we weren't running together, you know, just on the phone talking about how to challenge those students who, who for whatever reason, come into the room with the content that everybody else is, needs to learn. Um, we're going to purposely challenge each other not to use the words high and low students because we know that those labels are harmful, both for the students and for teachers as we um like as we perceive them right we if we put those labels on them then it's it's like an unchanging thing um so we're gonna we're gonna try to use the words right um students who who already know this content or students with more background knowledge in this area or something like that we're gonna be purposeful and call each other out when we screw up well that's how i addressed it to my students it really made being able to say these are the students who are going to do a different activity without like I was just able to say some of you learned decimals some of you do a lot of decimal stuff with your parents and you have a lot of experiences and so you've kind of reached the point where you already know this so we're gonna you're gonna take a break and work on these activities while i give that experience to the rest of the students. And it felt very safe to be 
in the group that needed more experience with Mrs. E. I feel like just because I had something to say other than you're the bluebirds and you're the red robins <laughs> and <laughs> you and forever will be in that group. Yeah. You know, it, because you and I use pre-assessments, it really made the students know that because of how much I showed her on this pre-assessment, I get to do the challenge this time. But it won't always be the same kids. Yeah, it won't always be the same kids. So, so why don't we why don't we dive in and talk about how it's working in your class and then we'll talk about how it's working in the class where I've been helping. Um, and maybe talk okay. about how how you knew you needed this. How many kids, you know, certainly without enough information to identify them, but, um, and then sure. assessment and what, they, what they're working on now. So probably I need to, you know, set up my classroom in that I was on quarantine. And so I had a substitute in my classroom and I was at home. Um, the Zoom camera was not on, but I was at my computer emailing the substitute and the students who were working on the challenge. So because she was in the classroom, um, classroom management was going to become an issue. And so I took the students who did well on the pre-assessment and we're in sixth grade and we're doing decimals. So you can imagine that there really is a discrepancy in sixth grade of a student who understands adding, subtracting, rounding, ordering decimals, and the student who is still struggling about, I know I put this behind the behind the dot, but I don't know why. So I gave a pre-assessment and I have 95 students over um, five classes. And I'm going to say... Well, I had one class with four students, and then I had one class with one. So I'm going to say I had a total of 12 out of that 95 who had enough experience with decimals to need something to be challenged. Did um, everybody take your pre-assessment? Everybody took the pre-assessment, and I graded them um, and then sat at home and created uh, challenges through Google Classroom for those 12 students, but the other students were also doing activities through Google Classroom, just more of a, let's click on this and work through it together while those students were doing independent work. So if you walked into my classroom, you wouldn't necessarily know that there were students that were doing something different. Um, because we're six feet apart and quarantined with masks, they are literally working by themselves. It's not like they got to go to the table in the back and work together. Um, so. so talk us through what are some of the things. They had a choice of, of what to work mm -hmm. on. And and I'm curious how long they've been working on this project and, or this choice board and what are some of the things on there? Okay, so... They got they got access to it on a Tuesday, and I'm looking at seven, well, probably 12 different activities. Okay. And it's just a Google slide, and every slide has a different activity. And they're really basic. Most of them were kind of like, click on this link and do this, and then tell me about it. 
Um, you can take a picture or you can take a screenshot or you can um, type in the box what your thought process was. There was just some kind of check for me to know that they were really doing the activities. Okay. Um, and that was it. I made it for them. They got access to it on a Tuesday and they worked on it all the way through that Friday. It's still there. Most of them haven't done it, all of it. Um, but I pulled them all back in yesterday. Everyone's going to do this with me. One, because we were doing addition and subtraction strategies. So we're adding and subtracting decimals, but I I can't even tell you how disheartened I was when I noticed so many kids couldn't make a 10. Mm. And so when you got, you know, one and three tenths and you're trying to get to three, of course I want you to count up. I want you to know that you need seven more, but I just noticed I had students who were like, it, it, that wasn't second nature to them. So I spent some time, we talked about making a 10 and we talked about compensation and we talked about even just using the hundreds chart. Um, and I don't know what the strategy is called. I call it, I still owe you, where if you are subtracting seven minus five and two tenths, you say seven minus five is two. And then I have to do two minus two tenths. Yeah. And that hopefully when you've written two minus two tenths, you know, your answer is not going to be two. It's got to be <laughs> yeah. less than two. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully you know that. Right. Right. Um. So let me just clarify, because I knew what you were talking about, that when you said you brought them back in, it, meaning that you asked those kids who'd been sort of separated to work on the choice board, they joined your lesson for this because you had not really assessed their flexibility with addition and subtraction strategies. Correct. Yeah. And also, you know, it's one of those opportunities where maybe they would have some strategies and they could add to the discussion, you know, that that they can definitely their their ideas that the ideas of of flexibility can come from them instead of always from you and if they're included in the conversation but they might learn something from everybody else too right um okay so give us what's um what's one or two specific tasks that were on the challenge on the choice board that you feel like were really good based, I mean, I know you weren't there the whole week, so you don't really know in detail, but you know, what were some of your, either your favorites or the kids' favorites, just to give teachers an idea of what kind of stuff was on there. So Marcy cook puzzles, the students really liked. Um, and yes, they showed mastery of decimals. And so I tried to have some activities that were decimals, but some of them were just challenges. It didn't have anything to do with per se decimals. So they really liked Marcy cook puzzles. And then there was one that was from Enrich and I can't open it, but it asked the student how many digits they would have to, 
how what number would they be writing when they got to the six thousandth digit if they wrote their numbers from one to infinity or you know you're just writing the numbers and so there was a lot of like well if i start with one then i've written nine numbers in nine digits now let me figure out how many double digit numbers there are before i get to 100 when i start writing three digits and once i that was one that i emailed a lot of students about because they read the directions or the prompt and were like what does this mean <laughs> So once I gave them a little bit of background and like a strategy to go, they had a really good time figuring out which digit it was. That's cool. So they really liked Enrich and then Marcy Cook. And we'll put a link to Marcy Cook if you've never heard of those. It's it's pretty similar to open middle kinds of problems, um, but you use mm -hmm. every digit from I think one to nine or zero to nine always. Um cool which right. is marcy cook gave them a sense of um they were able to check it and know that they were right where sometimes on open middle you really need the teacher to say that's the right answer yeah or the teacher to say well can you prove it right marcy cook if all the digits are done and your numbers are in the you know, yeah. they make sense, then you know you're right. Or the teacher to be there to facilitate and say, mm, somebody on the other side of the room has a higher one than you do, you know, that kind of thing. Right. Um, you know, maybe not flat out say you're right or you're wrong, but sort of push them along a little bit. Cool. All right. Are you ready for us to, are you ready for me to talk about where, what we've been working on? Yeah. But the students that you are helping. Yeah. So I'm working. In a little bit of a different, because. Yours are home, right? Um, well, they're s sort of. We're we're working hybrid, um, and, which means that the kids are in school two days a week, and they are working from home three days a week. And the teacher sees, um, you know, the kids like on Tuesday and Wednesday, and then they're home the rest of the week. And she has different kids on Thursday and Friday. That's just to be able to really do social distancing and have enough room in the classroom. That's why we're doing that. Um, and we've only been doing it for a few weeks. It's it's not the whole time. We were we were fully remote before that. Um, so I'm helping with a um, a fourth grade teacher who's doing fourth and fifth grade math. It's sort of an accelerated um, program. And there's there's a student who has already a lot of background knowledge, um, in particular with um, computation kinds of things, and. And so the teacher, you know, reached out to say, could, could I help come up with some challenges? And we've been doing a lot of the same strategy where it's like, let's do an assessment of where we're headed to make sure that the student really does have um, all of the things in the unit. You know, we're um, most recently they were doing like whole number computation practical problems kind of thing and so we we did we made an assessment of like the end goal making sure that that student had all of that and um, they did so you know we wanted to really make sure that the student was getting something new this was kind of my thinking behind this that um, we wanted to make sure the student was getting something new and not just sort of holding still with challenges um in this case, like, you know, there's that whole like vertical and horizontal way that you can enrich students. We wanted to make sure 
that they were learning something new, but not moving ahead to like sixth grade content at this point. Um, Because then you get to sixth grade and you're sort of in the same point, in the same spot. So with multiplication, we just, we were, we were looking for ways like what were the new things that this this student could learn? Um, so I I looked in some books that I had. I looked through you know all of the the, the websites that we normally go to that we've mentioned a lot on this site, um, and I I don't know. I'll just talk about some of them. One was um, learning how to multiply a number a two or three digit number by eleven mentally you know there's a have you seen have you seen that there's a trick i'm using air quotes do you know the oh. trick for multiplying by 11 yes yes yeah so so we did have you have you learned that jay prophet don't you just like stack them and offset them by one place um i don't know so like 34 times 11 could mm-hmm. you do that in your head 374 well, I think he got it, right? Yeah, good job. Wow. Okay. Well, that's the so yeah, and I have to, in my brain I'm thinking <laughs> like I learned it like you take the ones digit of the number that you're multiplying by 11 and that becomes the ones place of your product and then you add the the both digits and that becomes your tens place and then you take the tens place and that becomes your hundreds place the way i learned it and i did and no teacher taught me this it's just i picked up the pattern um was you know whenever you multiply something and the bottom number like stack multiplying i don't know uh-huh. what the, the, the second the, factor right the second factor if it has two digits you're going to have to have two lines and then add them together oh. on the bottom of multiplication right okay and so if it's a whatever number it is times 11, you just stack them on top of each other, offset the bottom one by one place, and then add them together. That's cool. So in my head, you said 34 times 11. So I stacked 34 on top of 34, shifted the bottom one over, okay. and then it was three, three plus four and four. So three, seven, I four. can say I had not made that connection. So I learned and, something today. And I don't know that... I don't remember anybody ever teaching me that. I think I just, you know, <laughs> noticed that pattern in doing multiplication mm-hmm. and like written out multiplication that way. How do you think about it, Ruth? How you did, yeah. just because I watched a video of somebody saying, did you know this works for 11? <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I had the student. So um, I see it and you mentally compute it. Yeah. Or, or followed really it's an algorithm that Mm -hmm. you're you know step like blind steps Mm -hmm. that i'm following so way to go yours is a little more conceptual than ours well done a little more um so let's write that down somewhere yeah you you have some notes we can write down i'll I'll put it in the show notes (laughs) jay jay prophet showed up the 11s um so i just had her kind of doing reading about that from two different books one is called um, perfectly perilous math that i got a long time ago and another one is um, called Math for Smarty Pants from Marilyn Burns. Um, that, one's, that one's for me. Yeah, hmm. that one is for you. Um, yeah. <laughs> and just exploring it and trying it. Um, then I wanted the student to um, make sure that they had the divisibility rules tight because the last time we talked, I could tell that there were some like not firm use of the divisibility rules. So I had the person um, reviewing that and then trying the envelopes puzzle from Sarah Carter. Have you seen that puzzle, Ruth? Oh, I haven't. Divisibility rules came up on one of those Marcy Cook puzzles and I was teaching them via the chat. 
Oh, yeah. The divisibility rules. <laughs> so it's so a if I could do the puzzles. Yeah. It's a cool puzzle where you have, there's envelopes, and I think it might be the numbers like 110 to 120 on the envelopes. I might be getting that wrong. And then they have cards that are like supposed to go in the envelopes, but you can really just lay them on top. And each envelope needs to have a letter that would go in it, which is a number, um, that is a factor of that number on the envelope. So, you you know, like okay. 120 could have a bunch of di- a bunch of different numbers could go on top of 120 you know two oh. and three and six and five and right. ten but you have to you know there's only one way i think that i'm not sure about that but there's only one way that they all work out that everyone has one that it's divisible by so um and so i know you'll link it in the show notes but it's just the envelope puzzle by sarah carter if i were to google it today she doesn't want to wait for show notes. She wants to use this bad boy today. <laughs> yeah. Um, I I think so. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> um, I'll make sure okay. it's in the show notes for you. And, but I can email it to you. You know, we're in real life. <laughs> okay. <laughs> in real life. Um, so, so thinking um, also about still learning something new, we could exp- uh, wanted the student to explore square and triangular numbers, which do you know what a triangular number is, folks? The top of the four. What? Come on. The top of the four. When you write a four, the Jay. top is a triangle. Oh, that was a bad dad joke right there. He's been like overkill on the dad jokes lately. Ruth, do you know what a triangular number is? She's still laughing. Um, I do. Apparently so it was funny. N- I'm still laughing. It's the numbers you get when you add. <laughs> oh. I mean, I'm sure there's like a mathematical way to identify them, but it's the numbers you get if you are adding bowling pins and you just keep adding another row. Oh, yeah, that's right. Did you already know that? Did we talk about this, Jay Profit? No. Yeah. Although it makes sense now that I think about it that way. Okay. So list a few for us, smart guy. What? Let, tell us the sum of triangular numbers. One, three, nine. Wait, I think no, you missed no, one. No, one, three, six. Yeah. Then 10. Yeah. You got it. And yeah. what'll be the next one? The next one would be 15. You got it. Good job. So the student is learning about that and then using that in a in another puzzle, which is pretty cool. I found that triangle numbers. Triangular. Triangular. Yeah. Um, a puzzle that I think is on Enrich, but I also got a nice copy of it from Greta, which I don't know Greta's last name on Twitter, but we'll link it. Thanks, Greta. Yeah. Um so are you getting the point or should I keep going at my multiplication ones? Do you want to keep hearing about no. them, Ruth? I I, I am going to use that link that you're going to put in the show. <laughs> okay. Well, then I'll keep talking because maybe you'll find something to use tomorrow. Um, I You may be planning her class for today. Yeah, right. So I wasn't quite sure what kind of mental math strategies the student had for multiplying larger numbers because I, I know that the student has great computation learn the algorithm really you know strongly but i don't know about mental math so i played off of pam harris and the math strategy chat that she does on twitter and i i used um 25 times 18 which is one of the problems that she's put on there for teachers to answer how do you solve this problem and then people post their the ways that they think about 25 times 18 mentally and I just snipped a whole bunch of people's answers, like 10 or so ways that people answered. 
and I asked the student to go through them and look at them and just see what you could understand from them, you know, um, almost like doing a number talk through reading, I guess. Um, and then I wanted her to sort of, hmm. yeah, I wanted the student to use those um, strategies in, in some new problems. Um, so yeah, that was kind of cool. So the final one that I had given this student that week was also out of this book called Perfectly Perilous Math. And again, it was sort of like a magic trick, air quotes, type thing where you um, ask somebody to look at a calendar and pick a number off of the calendar and then draw a box around, like a rectangle around it to include all of the numbers that touch it. Okay. Um Am I, are you picturing okay. that so far? And and then you say, mm-hmm. hey, let's race. And you would say, Jay, I w- I'm going to give you a calculator and I want you to add up every number that's being touched. So like the middle number and then the number above it, diagonal, beside it, diagonal, all the way around. So it's nine numbers that you would be adding with a calculator. And and I would be able to say the, the sum of all of those before you could punch them all on a calculator. And the way that, like, the trick is that I multiply the number in the center by nine. Let me pause and let you think about that. Are you figuring out why? I'm guessing that if the center number, you know, the two numbers on each side would bounce to be the same number. Yeah. And so kind of like you go around almost like the faces of a die they're all going to, you can all um, average to be that center number. Yeah, that's a, that's exactly it. Like, and the, the two on the top and the bottom are the number. Like the distance away from the center number. Yeah, yes, exactly. They're like seven, the number plus seven and the number minus seven. And then one, then two of, two more that's are the number. thing for for what for mean yeah for average yeah so i i wanted average is always the one in the middle yep yep so i wanted the student to explore that and to figure out why like be able to explain why that happens and i i did it with like variables but they could do any there's any number of ways to explain why that happens and then um also, I wanted the students to practice multiplying a number of times nine in your head because I'm almost certain that this this student would um, write it down on paper to do it every time. But there's that benefit of if you can multiply by 10 and then take one group away, you can get really good at multiplying by nine quickly. So, Oh, I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. I was thinking, man, that stinks to have to make it nine. Yeah. It'd be better if it was 11. Yeah, right? But multiplying <laughs> it by... 10. Multiply by ten and take away a group, and that's a that's. See, a, I never thought about that. I'd have been sitting there just stubborn, trying to multiply by nine, getting with, angry when that dude with the calculator beats me. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's especially like forty-seven or something. Well, you know. on a calendar, you're not going to get forty-seven, smart guy. Oh yeah. <laughs> right. I had I had lost the uh, the practical part yeah, of it. And right. Had, had moved on. So to- <laughs> so you only have to practice up to you know thirty-one. Well, not even thirty-one because then you can't. You can't go that far. Yeah. 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 So those are some of the challenges. Um, I have yet to hear exactly how they've all gone because they were assigned a week ago. So that's where we're headed. So I was just thinking that maybe I would do a survey 
and ask those students, did you enjoy it? Or would you just like to sit there and listen, you know, like really kind of give them an option. I, not necessarily that you would always have an option because sometimes I might force you to be challenged, but did you like it? You know? Yeah. I, and what would make it just because I was better? There what didn't see, work? Yeah. To see how they were engaged. Hmm. Yep. That's a good idea. I think it's important that we mention though, that, and we sort of said this, but there are times when even if the student has background knowledge, you still want them to be a part of what's happening in the class. And I think if you are at the beginning of your unit, if you're doing a rich task, um, they should still be involved. You know, they have something to add to that in that spot. Yeah. Uh, so when they were doing the decimals, everybody participated in that Desmos activity that you made about the racetrack for that reason, Mm -hmm. because there were a lot of higher level thinking questions in there and it, it was fun. So everybody had to do it. Right. Cool. All right. Um, Jay Pravi, you got any questions or thoughts so far? No, I just pulled up a calendar and I'm trying that over and over. Yeah, good. You're getting stronger at multiplying by nine now yeah. that you know a new strategy. It's kind of tricky because on the little the little tab or the column on the side of Google Calendar runs into the next month. It doesn't work if you pick one that runs into the next month. Yeah. But yeah. Hmm. Sorry, I didn't listen to much of the last two minutes because I was over here trying this over and over That's on the okay. calendar. You got a you got a new you got a new trick. I do. <laughs> um. Okay, I think that we will end with talking about some of our favorite places to get ideas for these students, right? Yes, and we have done this before. Um, We have done this before in episode five, where we kind of, it was our launch for, for me, it was where do I go to get um, low floor, high ceiling task to start my class for a warm-up kind of thing. And so we mentioned Solve Me Mobiles and Open Middle. Um, anyways, if you go back and listen to episode five, there's a whole lot of stuff there that I've, we still access on a regular basis. But you've done some research and found some new things that I haven't yeah. been able to click on yet. So we, I'm anxious to hear from you. We also have... On on episode 53, we talked about places to get rich tasks, and we mentioned enrich, and that's one of the ones, like, it's the letter N and then the word rich. That's the a, another site where just tons of great things come from when you're looking for challenges. Let me mention, though, however, that every single one of these things that we have talked about is something that anybody in your class can do and should do. It's just the timing of when they're getting it is different here. Like... These students that we're talking about are getting them towards the beginning of the unit or in the middle of the unit, but any of these rich tasks or challenges or stretch, whatever you want to call them, it should not be reserved for just the kids that have background knowledge. Like, it's just the timing of when they get them. Make sense? For sure. Okay. Um, So this is a little bit of a sidetrack, but I, I I need to know where I got it from. So... Um, maths bot is, have we talked about that yet? 
we've talked about a lot in real life that we talked about I on the podcast. I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, I think it was. Um, were you using maybe talking about how how my kids' teachers used it? Maybe that's what it was. Yeah, a- again, I'm confusing real life with podcast. <laughs> right. Life. Okay. Well, let's pretend we had just in case someone didn't listen to the last episode. Yeah. So if you heard about it, just you know, yeah. hum along and and <laughs> maybe you can learn some more. Yeah, Maths Bot is a um a website out of the UK. Jonathan Hall is the creator of it, and he's a teacher, not a website developer by trade, you know, and he just has made, I think, like a hundred things or more on this website that either teachers have asked him to make or that he wanted. What? I think you need to, we need to clarify that it's M-A-T-H-B as in boy, O-T-S, because we did talk about this and I thought it was math, S-P-O-T. Okay. Math spot. All right. Well, it's M-A-T-H-S. For those of you looking for it. B-O-T. Okay. Yes, but it's B as in boy, not P as in Paul. Yeah, Which is where I messed up. Okay. Um, (laughs) (laughs) What? Just her surfing math spot, trying to see what's there. Yeah. Okay. Uh, You threw me off there, friend. Um, Shoot. There's a hundred things. A hundred things. So he he has made this thing, these whatever tools or whatever to use in his own classroom there are virtual manipulatives there are just like tools that make number lines there are there are questions for his particular like the particular tests that they take in the uk all that stuff um and i was writing an article like a review of that website for the virginia council teacher of mathematics journal and I was just doing some research, trying to learn some more about the site and the person that created it and all that. And I happened upon a YouTube show that felt kind of like a rec- podcast recorded with a video um, called Resourceful. And it's by Tom Manners. And I think the idea is that he just talks to people who've created resources for math teaching online and asks them about it and gets their information. So I watched a whole episode. It's an hour long where he talks to Jonathan Hall, the creator of Maths Bot, B with a B, (laughs) or Bot with a B. (laughs) And um, I learned so much just about the website, but then he also shared, okay, here, coming back around to the point of this, he also shared um, some one resource I'd never seen before that turns out to be really cool. So it is a website by Don Stewart, S-T-E-W-A-R-D, Don Stewart. We'll put it in the show notes. Um, and at first you're like, uh, this is just, it doesn't look very like flashy or anything. But on the side, there are all these like tags, I guess is what you're called, um, of he's organized them by content. And I, I just found the greatest like tasks there. Um we were talking most recently about one where it's a whole bunch of number lines that are all broken up into 10 parts and it gets increasingly diff- more difficult. Like you have to use your decimal knowledge to figure out what, um, how the number lines are broken up and then where certain numbers would go on the number line. I know this doesn't sound exciting, but it's, it's really very cool. So we'll link that particular one with, I think it's something like decimal scale is the name of it. Um, I don't know. When we were looking for a challenge for a student for decimal place value, this was right on. Um, and the teacher and I were like going back over it and we were struggling to figure out some of them, which means like, oh, this is perfect. Yeah. You know, <laughs> right. Um, and then 
One more that he talked about while on this resourceful show is Mr. Barton Matt, Mr. Barton's math or Mr. Barton math. I'm not sure. Um, and I think he has a podcast, right? Mr. Barton. Um, I don't know Mr. Barton. I'm getting lost in the in all the people in the UK. Um, but he has organ. <laughs> what? <laughs> he's now one day taking a, a trip to the UK just to tour and talk to all your cool math nerd friends. Yeah. Okay. It's called Mr. Barton Maths. There we go. Dot com. And um, he's also organized his resources really well um, by topic and then rich tasks and all that. And I found the coolest one I have to tell you about from there. He's got these Venn diagram tasks. Ruth, we haven't talked about this, have we? We haven't. I'm super excited. <laughs> okay. <laughs> super excited. Um, bated breath. Yes. <laughs> okay. So the one we, we are assigning this week is, okay, picture this. It's got two. First, we'll just do a regular Venn diagram where, and, and you can't see my hands, but I'm crossing them over, where it says... Something like you're you are being obnoxious. Stop, I'm Jay Brown. Trying, <laughs> trying to conceptualize what you're doing. One says um, bigger than four tenths on one side, and the on the other circle says smaller than five tenths. Bigger than four tenths, smaller than five tenths. Okay. So, what would go in the middle of that? Point like four five. Forty five hundred. Yeah. Yeah. Or or any number of four three. Yeah. Any any number between four tenths and five tenths. And then on the outside, you would need something way smaller than five ten or you know, smaller than four tenths. Wait, I'm getting all I'm getting all mixed up. Anyway, then they add <laughs> one more. So then then picture an a triple diagram, a triple Venn diagram, adding another one to that, and now it says ends in a six. Point four six. That could still that could go in the very middle. You're exactly right. So the task is to find a number that fits in every single region of the Venn diagram and also on the outside. And if there if there are some that can't fit in, if there's a region that can't be filled, you have to justify or convince the person why that no numbers could go inside there. So Georgiana and I, when we were working on this, we mm. think that there's two regions where no where no number can go. Wait, just those three situations that you that you named? Yeah. All right. I'm having to do this in my head, so yeah. I'm, I'm, I know it's I'm hard to hear the rest of it. It took us a long time to think about it, and we were looking at the Venn diagram. You guys are doing it, but we think that there's. Well, should I say it? Or let people I think, think about it? I think you should because I'm going to do this today in class. <laughs> <laughs> I love how we plan your math class every time we meet. Um, so. So I think there's no number that goes outside in the bottom circle, the ends in a six, that's just flat out by itself. Because every single number is either bigger than four tenths or smaller than five tenths or both of those. So there's no number, since there's no number that's not... Oh. All of those, situ one of those situations, there's no number that goes on the very outside within the ends in a six. I can't think of a number, there, or there it doesn't exist a number that ends in a six that's also, um, ooh, Ruth's drawing a picture. I can't see it very well, Ruth. Can you see this? Is this right? 
I don't know. I just wanted it's to so, make sure. So I mean, it's a, can you see the diagram? That is a Venn diagram. Yes. That's all we can see. Is it three circles? Okay. <laughs> I'll tell you again. The top, the top, um, and so when you're the okay, top left was bigger than four tenths. The top right is smaller than five tenths, and the bottom was ends in a six. So you're saying? Okay, so there's nothing because less than five tenths and greater than five and greater than four tenths covers all the numbers. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. And so there's nothing that. There's nothing that doesn't fall in one of those ranges. Yes. Okay, I got you now. I had to draw a number line and like draw a an arrow. I'm sure there's a name for that. Um, an arrow that covers all the numbers bigger than four tenths. Array. Yeah, there you go. And then I drew and then I drew another line that shows all the numbers smaller than five tenths, and they overlap in between four tenths and five tenths, but that covers every single number. Right. It, that that set includes everything and it overlaps by by one tenth. Yeah. So so every single nu- there's no number that you can place in just the ends in a six because it's gotta go in the top left or top right or both. Unless it's imaginary. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know about that. I point six. <laughs> I don't think that's a number. <laughs> what are you thinking, Ruth? You're you're like deep in thought over there. <laughs> I I am. I gotta like have some time to process this. Jay is way yeah. higher of a student than I am, and he's already no. Like, he's just BSing the over there. <laughs> and we said we wouldn't say challenge. hi. We said we wouldn't say hi. I'm sorry. <laughs> he's way smart, Alec, of a student. Yeah. That is the truth. <laughs> yeah. Okay, isn't this a great one? That is Hello. a good one. And he had this Mr. Barton guy has like tons of these. It's not just there's like whole number ones and negative ones and just all kinds of stuff. Your it's- your method of of creating two rays that are everything greater than four tenths and everything less than five tenths and then arranging them yeah. with no overlap. I hadn't. That's a great for me. That was a great visual representation that I hadn't I hadn't done on my own until you started to say something about it. Then I could see that, and it makes it immediately understandable that that set includes everything. Yeah. And that, including that overlap of one tenth. Yeah. I will just say, we didn't say this yet because. God, I just was mentioning Jay's hand motions were the exact same for his rays that were overlapping as they were when he multiplied by 11 and he just shifted. So it must be something about (laughs) the way your brain works. Yeah. Um, I, I think this is important because it helped me as we were talking about it, but also the, they are, um, each ring has a color, each, each circle, the Venn diagram, one is green, one is red, one is blue. And as, as Georgiana and I were talking through this task, that really helped us, um, to say what goes in red and blue, but yeah, not green, or what yeah. goes in red and green. For whatever blue. reason, I wanted to say that as we were like talking, but I know I hadn't named well, I think when colors. you're quickly trying to. What goes in greater than five tenths and less than five, you know, yeah. it's just smoother to when you're in conversation trying yeah. to figure it out or conversing about and it. And they're also, all the sections are labeled with letters, A, B, C, D, you know, going through. It's a great task. All it, the regions are labeled with letters. There you go. Gotcha. Yep. Yep. Okay. Wow. That that gave us some great conversation. Man, that's fun. I may do that at work. For, no, I won't. <laughs> that was fun. But I may think about it at work today. Yeah. <laughs> So check out two places that I I am so thankful that I have found are Don Stewart and Mr. Barton. They have some good stuff there. 
you have to, you know, being from the U.S., you have to wade through a little bit of like vocabulary differences and but it's it's doable. Way to go, Don and Mr. Cool. Barton. Well, Mr. he was doing like first names, but uh, I don't know yeah. Mr. Barton's first yeah, name. Yeah, I don't know his name. Either. One thing that I noticed, and this is, you know, not to add on to you, UK folk, if anyone from listens to us from the UK, if you do, great. That um, Matt Parker, the YouTube, the only the only great um, British math person I know, and he's actually, anyway, um, the that I keep, you know, pay attention to on a regular basis. He um, says and all the time in reading words, you know, how in the, in the United States we're trained not to say yeah. 433,243. Yeah. He's apparently in the in the UK, it's okay to say and and every one of those. Yeah. And I listen, I listen to a podcast of his and then also watch some of his videos on YouTube. And I was really close one day to like write an email going, why do you say and all the time? You're not supposed to. And I must, luckily I looked it up somewhere or maybe you helped me look it up yeah, somewhere. Yeah, I think we did. And, and realized that he was correct. And it's just the difference between, um, I guess, the, the UK standards for, for reading numbers and the American standards. Yeah, we can call that a convention, so, right? A convention. Do they say and for their decimal? Do I think so. Do they say and for yeah. their decimal? Mm-hmm. But it's just like they say and all the time, you know, 343 and ten t- and four tenths or what you know, I, mm-hmm. I don't. It's just a, a different hmm. convention that they do and, and speaking that we don't. Cool. We'll forgive them for that. <laughs> Jade made a face. Okay, I think it's time for takeaways, friends. Yeah. Well, I have my little takeaways right here on my cards. <laughs> yeah. Going to find this Venn diagram and. I'm going to put it up there for a challenge today for my everybody in awesome. the class because even if you can just get a number that comes between four tenths and five tenths, then you are exactly you know yeah. moving in the right direction. My takeaway is thinking about you know I was I talk about how I learned using uh, or learned math or was taught math and was able to use the common algorithm most of the time just fine and didn't didn't need or, or you know I'm, I'm not gonna say teachers didn't teach other ways but that's not what i locked onto. i locked onto the common algorithm or the whatever called, standard standard algorithm and um but every now and then things are poking out to me that i learned differently that i just kind of made up little little j profit conventions like the multiplying by 11 thing today i thought that was just common knowledge i didn't realize that i had come up with something that 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 you know needed description or explanation i thought it was just you know didn't everybody see that pattern so it's kind of cool to see how my brain took the standard algorithm and kind of adapted it when i when i noticed specifically patterns and when i would i would do it over and over and over again and see oh it always does this so i'll just use this this um short shortcut i mean i don't like that word but this way of, of solving it instead of following the standard algorithm awesome so you kind of stole mine because I was going to say that the whole shifting a number to multiply by 11, that idea, I could probably do it faster in my head that way than going the ones place, then add the tens and the ones, then take mm-hmm. the tens, you know, um, that was a good takeaway. It so also works you. for multiplying by 111 and you can shift it twice. Cool. I, I, was, I need to explore how it would work for multiplying a three digit number times 11. Same. You just shift it one. Yeah. But then you have three numbers you have to kind of keep track of. But that's okay. Um, so I will I will 
If you write it down, it's easier. Right, for sure. Um, but uh, okay, this is this is a a, a random takeaway, but I'm going to share it anyway. This past week, I gave a, a professional development on um, comparing fractions, and I showed I wanted to show Jay my slides because I was real proud of them because I think they're real cool um, <laughs> ahead of time, and I was like. Jay, can you understand what's happening here? There was a bit of like noticing and wondering for each of the strategies for comparing fractions. And Jay Prophet could like explain all of them beautifully just from looking at the the pictures. And I'm like, dude, you have really learned a lot. He's like, uh, well, I've been on a math podcast for two years. <laughs> so I just think it's cool that like at the beginning of our podcast, he said fractions were his thing because you always work with your dad with wood and measuring. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah. But he he definitely was coming out with some stuff he'd learned on the yeah. podcast. I was using some Tracy Prophet language in there. <laughs> yeah. Um, which, you know, awesome. I didn't, you know, I didn't even think about this um, until until today that we, this is our first, this is our first episode after two years. So we are now year three of this thing. What? That's awesome. Yeah. Thanks for sticking through it with us i know we've had some not consistent times based on you know how life goes and that drives jay profit crazy but um, but we are thankful for you know for people who are sticking out sticking with us i feel like our last two episodes with the practical problems got a lot Mm -hmm. of traction so thanks for sharing those and um if you have some ideas of things that you've used for students who need a challenge, who already have some background knowledge in a particular area and we haven't mentioned them, let us know. We'd love to hear them. All right. Anybody got anything else before we head out? I'm good. I hope your uh, decimal Venn diagram slash um, election conversation, if you have it, goes well today, Ruth. Thanks, shout, And we'll see you tomorrow on a run. See you tomorrow on a run. Thank you.